Good morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Baron with Kicking Cancer Cares. Before we start, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors as always. Huge thank you to Odmo's Pizza. The pizza is so amazing. And Breezy HVAC for keeping us cool in this super hot weather, to say the least. So thank you again, Breezy HVAC and Odmo's Pizza. Good morning, Baron. How are you? Good morning. Back again. Yes. Do you know what number this is in our podcast? This would be number 16, right? Yes. That's, that's like four months of doing this together. Yes. And that's two at an hour. Yes. Long. This is our second hour show. And I'm on the board. And what that means is I'm behind here doing all the things and pushing all the buttons and making this happen, which is kind of nerve-wracking. So <laughs> bear with me. But look me. at how far you've come as we've had this show together. I know. I know. It's kind of exciting. It's very exciting. Okay, so let's recap on last week. Well, you know, I want you to recap last week because I've known Victoria Shin for four years. Okay. And I'm going to tell you a couple interesting things that have happened, but I want your perspective. Like, what did you think of actually meeting Victoria Shin? So, um... She's Victoria was absolutely amazing, super sweetheart. Um, I'm so glad that she's a success story. I think the biggest thing that um, got me the most was that she she wants to eat better and do better, and she is, and she's doing those things. But she admitted that she cheats, and sometimes she falls out of those habits, and then reminds herself, like, oh, that's right, I have to, I need to work out more, I need to eat a little bit better, and it makes it more real. We're not all perfect, so it's okay if you don't commit a hundred percent to these things. It's we're human, right? And so that it, it was just like it made her more human to me, right? Right. You know what was interesting to me is when I asked her to come be on our show, I thought she would be a good person to give you some perspective on the last four years, because we literally started this organization four years ago in July. We just had our four-year anniversary. Congratulations. It's amazing. We survived COVID, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive. It is. But she's been with me through that whole journey. And so I thought she was going to kind of tell you about her perspective of that. But she told you her story. Right. And I talked to her a few days ago. She said, did I sound okay? I said, it was perfect because you told your story. Mm -hmm. And you even got emotional telling your own story. Yeah. You know, I the, the I told her the part that caught my attention was when she was sitting in the doctor's office, knowing that she was supposed to have a chemo session across the hall. Yes. So she wasn't really comprehending when the doctor was saying, you don't understand, Victoria. There isn't another one. There is another one. Like, everything looks good. You have to, and, and it all of a sudden it dawned on her that she didn't have to have chemo anymore. And, and she was having a hard time telling that. Yeah. She was a little emotional telling you and me that. Yeah, it, uh, to... to I mean, that's what you dream for and hope for. And that's the whole reason you put your body through all of that and you do all the things you do. And it's a lot of people don't think it's going to work or aren't sure what the future holds. For So for her to get that amazing, no, you're, you don't have an appointment. We canceled it. Right. You don't need it. Right. That's got to be just such a breath of fresh air and a huge weight off of her shoulders. Not only her shoulders, but her husband's, her family's. I mean, everybody around her. Cancer, it bleeds into everybody around you. It doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody. And that's part of why I started getting cancer as an organization was to be boots on the ground, to to tell stories like Victoria's, right? Right. And so if people go to kicking-cancer.org, which is our website, down towards the bottom, there's a spot for testimonials, and Victoria's testimonials actually on our website. Oh, I love it. Yeah. 
You actually just got a new vamp on your website, didn't you? A new one? A new, like you vamped it up? Like We did. That's... We, we, we um, did some changes to the homepage. I was just showing you some of these changes yeah. we made. So one of the things we wanted to do was to capture people's attention quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny little side story for you, but I was going, I sponsored a whole at a Breast Friends. It's a support group for breast cancer on Monday up in um, Oregon City. And so I'm driving up there. I stop at the Aurora truck stop just to get a drink and keep driving. Yeah. So I go into the restroom, and on a sticker on the door, as I close the restroom door, was a kicking cancer sticker. Oh, no way. On the door, in the restroom, at a truck stop. Oh, that's super cool. That just tickled my little heart. <laughs> <laughs> but it also means that my stickers all have our website. Yeah. And so if you're there doing your business at the truck stop, I'm like, well, what the heck is this kid? And you go to the website, and I can't capture your attention on the website, then it's a waste of dollars. Right. So we revamped it, and I hope you'll do get a chance to go to our website. Um, there, Every single spot as you're going down there, it's like, request help or get involved. Request help or get involved. Yeah, and it kind of tells you some, it, yeah, it's very self-explanatory, which is nice. It's, if, how, if, if I need help. I click help and I tell you what I need or how you can help me or my story. Just sharing your stories is a, definitely a huge way to help. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I tell people all the time that sometimes people need financial help. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to turn down money for crying out loud. Right, right. But sometimes just knowing that somebody out there will listen to my story, will will tell my story, means a lot to people. Absolutely. That they're not alone in this journey. They're not alone. I think that's a huge one. Right. Right. So, well, Victoria was great to have with us. She was. I really enjoyed her. What a pleasant little, she's a little little lady. I just love her. Yeah. (laughs) She made a comment as we were getting done that kind of intrigued me for today's little shocking information. Okay. So we were standing there at the door getting ready for her to leave. And I think the three of us all said, you know, like, like, what can we do? What can we do given how big pharmaceuticals are, how big government is, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just little people in this big, huge cog. And I thought, well, how big is this cog? How how out of control is this cog? Right. So I thought I'd bring you some information on how out of control this cog is. All right. Hit me with it. You always like that, right? I do. I do. <laughs> and I apologize for my squeaky chair. I don't know if the microphone's picking that up, but it is awfully squeaky I, I on my end. Okay. I don't hear us. I need so. to get some WD-40 for this thing. <laughs> So I want to start with a quote first. Some people will know who this person is. His name is Upton Sinclair. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning author back in the early 1900s. Okay. And he wrote a book called The Journal, I'm sorry, The Jungle, a book called The Jungle. And he exposed problems in the meat packing industry over 100 years ago. Okay. And there was some bad stuff going on. And he said, and this is what's interesting about his quote, he says, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it. One more time. It's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it. Yeah. So if I was a pharmaceutical rep and I'm making a nice six-figure income, and you come to me with some of this stuff, I don't really want to understand what you're telling me because it's going to affect my salary. Right. Or if I have a lot of stock in some of these pharmaceutical companies, right? Yeah. Too many people's pocketbooks are attached to the problem. Agreed. And that's what he's saying. Yeah. They don't want to understand the problem because their salary is attached to the problem. Because it directly affects them negatively. Yeah. 
So I'm going to take you quite a ways back again in a timeline. <clears throat> but people have seen movies where you've got this wagon train and, or, you know, wagon coach, and this guy comes up with this tonic oil in Old West, right? And mm-hmm. he's selling this snake oil that's going to cure whatever. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And because that occurred so often, uh, a government agency was formed to try to control that. It's called the Food and Drug Administration. Okay, that's odd that food and drugs are... So it's the FDA. Okay. The FDA. And one of the biggest reasons is in the late 1800s, this little company in Atlanta, Georgia, had this elixir, this tonic, that was supposed to help you with um, headaches and other ailments, but the tonic was made from the from cocaine from the coca leaf okay and from caffeine from the african cola nut so coca cola cola got it yeah and that's when so that's not really actually a myth they used to actually have cocaine in their yep. drinks yep that's not a myth that's you not- hear it a lot but i never really it was like yeah right yeah, so so Coca-Cola was one of those snake oil elixirs that was supposed to help with brain tonic and pain relief. And it was made from cocaine from the coca leaf and caffeine from the African cola nut. That's how he got his name. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1902, the FDA's formed. And in 1903, after 17 years of distributing Coca-Cola... They took cocaine out of their soda. Okay. So what changed? Why after 17 years? Because the FDA told them they had to. Okay. Right? No more. Yeah. So so the original goal of the FDA was to approve, it was was an approval process to determine whether a drug is safe and effective. But over time, there's been a lot of inside money that influences the approval of these new drugs. Okay. Yeah. So the original goal, good goal. Mm-hmm. determine what things are safe. But now, let me tell you what's going on currently. Okay. I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> so currently, <clears throat> if a drug company wants to develop a new drug or do clinical trials, there's a one-time $2.1 million user fee, non-refundable. It's a hefty user fee. User fee, right? The drug companies pay the FDA each time they submit a new drug application. Wow. So $2.1 million for every new drug that's... Okay. Okay. That's a lot of money. That's a lot a of user money. user fee. <laughs> Not just a user fee. That's a like a per drug fee. Yeah. So, I, you know, a, a good example would be um, somebody wants to get an apartment in Salem and they have to pay an application fee. Okay, yeah. Same kind of a concept. Okay. You're paying an application, a user fee, to even get your drug tested. All right. Whether it's approved or not. Okay. Oh. So there is a group, it's called the Tufts Center for the Study of Drug Development, and they said the average out-of-pocket cost for a new drug from inception all the way to FDA approval is $1.3 billion. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> $1.3 billion from the time they start, including that application fee, until it's FDA approved. And in distributing. $1.3 billion. So 
I've actually per drug per drug. And and so currently, let's say a drug's been out for ten years, and that drug only cost a dollar to make that drug. Right. But the very first drug, the very first pill, cost one point three billion dollars. That's insane. So they have to spread that cost out right. over lots and lots and lots of drugs to recoup the cost. Right. Right. Okay. So it goes on to say that um, Forbes magazine, once again, pretty reputable right. magazine. Very. Right. So they said total FDA spending from the 12 leading pharmaceutical companies from 97 to 2011 was $802 billion. That's nine zeros after the 802. Wow. $802 billion to gain approval. Just approvals. Yes. $8.2 billion to get approval for 139 drugs, which averages out at $8.5 billion per drug. Wow. You know why drugs are so expensive? Because of this stuff. That's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. It gets worse. That's a lot of money towards medications. Yeah. And I mean, if if our government truly wanted to try to reduce some of the cost of pharmaceuticals, some of these user fees, like where does that user fee go? That's what I was going to ask is like, where wh- does this money go? Dude, that's a very good question. That's a lot of money to go to the FDA. To, then to do what? what? To support an agency? To support salaries that they self-fund themselves? What does it even go to? That's... <laughs> I am blown away. I, I the more I dig for our show, Amanda, the matter I get. <laughs> I want to make a note really quick to myself of to look where I'm. I'm yeah, that's a lot of money to the FDA. It's a lot of money. A lot. Yeah, and so all of that money, I I, I don't know where a lot of tax money goes. And I really hope that people, when we get ready to vote, that you're looking at your candidates and what are they doing for you, and that. Somebody will do something about some of this stuff mm-hmm. because $802 billion of user fees just to get approval to actually produce the drug. Where did that go? Yeah. What is the FDA doing to make this stuff available? Yeah. Now, in our conversations earlier with Danny Warren with Juice Plus, mm-hmm. some of her friends have told me they're very careful about what they say that Juice Plus can and can't do. Now, once right. again, it's just fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Right. But the FDA is monitoring them that they make claims that aren't validated. Really? Because if they make a claim that's not validated, then they have to pay a stadgum user fee. Oh, yes. And yet it's just fruits and vegetables. <laughs> that's sickening. Yeah. That what, what, they're money hungry. They're very money hungry. They're very, a, a lot of government agencies are very money hungry. Wow. But as it goes on in this book, in, in October of 2005, there's a, a magazine called Nature. Some people may be familiar with this magazine. And they did an investigation of panels of people that do these clinical guides, right? And what they found is a third of all the people that do these panels actually admitted to getting some kind of financial kickback. Oh, in fact, it says around 70% of panels being affected. In one case, every member of the panel had been paid by the company responsible for the drug that was ultimately recommended. 
So you and I are on this panel, mm-hmm. and we're determining whether this is a good drug, bad drug. Okay. But the company that's asking us to determine it is going to pay us for our opinion. Well, gee, you pay me this much, and I'll say whatever you want me to say. Yeah. Because I feel like what they could, I mean, wouldn't, if they, you're going to pay the panel to decide what's right or wrong, I don't think a panel should be paid by the company nope. to say this is yes or no. Right. If you're paying, that's paying somebody for their services in a different type of way. You're paying them for their opinion, but not really. Right. <laughs> you're paying them to say what you want them to say. And it says in one case, so they said all kinds of different ones. In one particular case, every member of the panel was paid by the company that was funding the research. So even the panels we can't trust. Yeah. I'm sure that drug got passed. <laughs> I'm sure it did, too. I'm sure it did, too. The other thing that really crazy. really shocked me as I was reading, and this is just one page in this book I'm showing you. I wish we could find out how much they get paid. Um, there is a little number here where it was sourced. I will have to look that up for you. Okay. All right. Because there's a little you know, right. number in there. Um, but it says that once the FDA approves a new drug, mm-hmm. okay, so once it's been approved, the drug company sales rep begin pushing the drugs to doctors who prescribe the drugs. If a significant number of patients die or suffer health problems caused by the drug, the FDA will eventually recall the drug. In most cases, the manufacturers have made astronomical profits enough to settle any permanent injury or death claims. So drug wow. companies have already figured out, I can make this much money. Mm-hmm. And if I have to pay out, I'll still be okay. So they have this risk-reward. So it's okay. It's okay. So it makes it okay. So, yeah, this might affect some people. It, they might lose their life. But you know what? We can afford that mm-hmm. because we're still making enough on it. Mm-hmm. So just keep pushing it. Yep. And what really, and I was showing this to you before we started That's the show. Sad. There's one exception to this. Vaccines. Vaccines have an exception. So if a drug company which we've gone through two years of Pfizer and Moderna creating a vaccine, right? Yes. So if vaccine causes a problem, the pharmaceutical company is not liable. Even if that pharmaceutical is the one that paid the application fee, did all the research and created it and made it and got it approved, they're not responsible? Because in 1986, there was an act called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act that says the U.S. government... And our taxpayer dollars pay all those claims if it's a vaccine. That's interesting to me. That's odd. So they'll take care of everything else but vaccines. But it's like you're the one that created it and pushed it and got the the, the FDA approving and all of that. So yep. why wouldn't it fall into you? Why does your mess up of your drug and your side effects affect me and my taxpaying dollars? You're Those are all really good questions. You're getting I'm, me worked up, Now, if Baron. I was with Terry right now, <laughs> Terry says, you're pissing me off, Baron. Yeah, yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> the first time I brought one of these things on Terry's solo, he says, Baron, you're starting to piss me off now. <laughs> yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> um, that it, doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And, and that's, that's the whole point that I'm trying to make here is kicking cancer is there to support people in our community they're fighting cancer Mm -hmm. but we're fighting against a bigger problem yeah and yeah and and we have little control and as i began 
doing this and doing some research and reading books, I'm like, we're, we're victims to a bigger problem. Very much so. Um, Terry asked me one time, he said, Baron, you don't think they're trying to cure cancer, do you? No. And I said, think of it this way, Terry. If they kill you, they stop making money. And if they cure you, they stop making money. Mm -hmm. If they keep you somewhere in the middle, oh, by the way, there's a drug for the problem we just created. Right. They continue. No worries. We got that. We got, that's a side effect. That's okay. We have a medication for that. Right. So, in all honesty, I don't believe they're trying to cure cancer because it's it is the largest sector of the drug industry. Is it? It's the most it's the most money making industry. Yeah. Um, Sorry, over, I got you sidetracked. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I, too big, over forty billion dollars is spent every year on cancer drugs. Wow. Worldwide, cancer drugs are the second. I'm sorry, they're the second largest category of pharmaceutical sales in the United States after heart disease drugs. Okay. So the number one drug out there is heart disease drugs. And number then, two is cancer drugs. Yeah. So if they cured you, $40 billion goes away. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. Or they could find ways to help us be healthier. Right. We'll keep you sick, but we'll keep you better at the same time. Yeah. We'll just keep it at bay. One of my super good friends in California, um, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. She started taking Juice Plus, and she will quickly say, I'm not telling you Juice Plus cured my colon cancer. I'm telling you I got phytonutrients in my system to fight what the chemotherapy was doing. Mm -hmm. And she became, and she had stage four colon cancer, and it went away. And she went to her doctor. She says, Why aren't you telling the people this? Yeah. You know what her doctor said? Because there's no money in fruits and vegetables. That's absurd. That's so sad. That's heartbreaking. And that's the system we're fighting right now. So, <laughs> so once You've in a while. Let me speak again. <laughs> I, I, so, what, what do you, I mean, I just threw a bunch of stuff at you. What are your thoughts here, Amanda, about what's going on? Um, I think it's sickening, I think it's sad. Um, I'm a little blown away at how much money it produces. Um, I'm very curious. I did make a note to see if I can dig up some information on where that money goes with the FDA. And um, I think it's sad that they're taking advantages of people's weaknesses and they're making it their own strengths and they thrive off of it. And that's... I don't even have the right words for it, but that's that's terrifying, heartbreaking, sad, all all of the things. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. So I know we're getting close to break, but I want to leave one last thought. We can pick this up after break. Because okay. guess what? What? We have an hour show. <laughs> we do, we do, we do, we do. <laughs> you know, like four weeks ago, you and I got talking. All of a sudden, we're looking at our time. We're going, oh, we have to stop talking about that because mm-hmm. we're out of time. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that we can have these conversations and then... We do. Pick and we up. get a little bit of extra time to talk about these types of things that do affect people with cancer and even people that it it doesn't affect. Uh, yeah. Like I said, cancer bleeds into everybody's life around you. So on that note, because you're wonderful at segues, <laughs> <laughs> I want to read you a statement out of the book, and then we can pick this conversation up after the break. But okay. it says, one often unanticipated side effect of cancer treatment is its financial toxicity. For most patients, the cancer treatment conveyor belt involves 
countless office visits, blood tests, CT and PET scans, surgical procedures, radiation therapy, chemotherapy, additional drugs for the side effects of the treatment, emergency room visits, hospital stays, physical therapy, cosmetic problems like breast reconstruction, on and on and on. All that adds up to tons of money. And in 2019, 30% of the bankruptcies in the state of Washington were because of... 30%? Of the bankruptcies because of the financial problems from cancer. Wow. That, it kind of reminds me of, um, I know we'll probably get into it, but when Brenda said that she takes almost 55 pills a day of, of vitamins. But it's, yeah. Let's pick that up a break because you just, a topic I want to bring up, but, but so anyway, you've got a few people to thank right now, don't you? I do, I do. So we're going to take a break really quick. And so I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Breezy HVAC for keeping us nice and cool in this hot, hot weather and Odmo's Pizza for keeping us warm and, I mean, not warm, sorry, fed uh, during these hot days because I know I don't want to be in my kitchen cooking and producing extra heat. So thank you guys. We wouldn't be here.